Hello, I'm Scott Millis, senior pastor here at Living Word Family Church, and I'd like to welcome you to our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today, and we hope that today's message encourages you and equips you in your walk with Christ. Here's today's message. This morning I was listening to David Jeremiah on worship as war. I don't know if any of you listened to him today or this week, and, and when we were worshiping, I thought of, you know, the devil wouldn't have a chance in here. I mean, he's just slain right here. And where's Doug? Doug Tedrow. It's a little hard to see. No. Doug Tedrow. Okay, well, anyway, um, years ago he was with the Flaming Epistles or Missiles of Jesus. And there was a song they used to sing that was, um, Whose Report Will You Believe? And it was one of my favorite songs. And one day, there was a man that came as we were in the early days, really early days. And I'm going to tell you all about that soon. But it just made me think of this, that this man came with a bolo knife one day. He was drunk. Ver happened to go to Manila that day. And I was there in our one little room and, uh, at that time. And he came, and he was threatening. And he was drunk. He was really drunk. His name's Mon- Monsanto's. And he said, you know, I want to fight. And I had that tape on. And I, got, I went right to, because I was listening already to the music, I went right to that. Whose report will you believe? You will, I will believe the report of the Lord. And I thought of the scripture where, you know, it says that, uh, what's his name? Uh, um, not Samson, you know, Goliath came at David with, a, you know, the, you know, yeah, he said, you come at me with a sword and a spirit and all of these things, and I come at you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And the fear that I had at that moment, I mean, I'm a city girl, <laughs> I'm back in the boonies. We were not in the city. We were in the rural area. For me, it was in the boonies, and I'm going to give you more description of what we were doing. But at that moment, I needed to know that God was real and that he was with me at that moment because I was really afraid. And all of a sudden, faith and the the Lord's peace came upon me. And I went outside. I went out the door with this crazy man. And I said, Kuya, that's what you say to an older, respected person, male. And I said, would you like some coffee? And he said, I don't want coffee. I want to fight. And I said, well, I'm not going to fight you, but I will give you some coffee if you would like coffee. I want to fight. And he was so drunk that he was beginning to collapse. And (laughs) he left. (laughs) I was so thankful that he left. (laughs) And I thought, when I was listening to that, that's what came into my mind when I heard that song, was we were worshiping and that message today that there's such power in worship. And I've forgotten that. Begin, you know, we get into ministry and begin to serve the ministry rather than the Lord. And ministry is a taskmaster. It is really, really a taskmaster. And I'm going to come back to the art of worship after this. I just I thank you. You know, just thank you. Do you mind if I drink? We're family. You don't mind that. Yeah, it's water, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it could be. I want to pray before we begin. I already began, but um, I want to pray. Lord, I'm so thankful for this family that have been a part of what we've been doing for all these years. Lord, I thank you that maybe they can't go, but they have been able to send. And we are so grateful for the support that has helped us to do what we, it is impossible For these two people, you've chosen the foolish of the world to confound the wise, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that they've been a part of that. Bless this congregation in so many ways, Lord. Bless them beyond what they can imagine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I would like to introduce my husband. He is the heart of the school. He's the heart of the the children's home. He's the heart of everything. Oh, we're up there. 
Isn't he handsome? He is a good-looking guy. He's a good-looking dude. Now, over here, my son one time said, in the Philippines, Papa's the boss. In the States, Mama's the boss. So um, he may be a quiet man here, but he is a little, you know, I mean, he's, a, he's really the heart of everything over there. Would you, would you want to come and say something for a minute here? Or no? Or just wave? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, some of you may not have ever met us, but Vern and I met in 1987 when I took a missions trip. And uh, from WBGL, they let me go for, for five weeks, take a break. And I went over there, and I felt, really felt like God was speaking to me. I was a single. had been in singles ministry. Not that I wanted to be in the singles ministry. But God called me to the singles ministry, and I was doing that. But he really impressed me to take a missions trip. I felt like that he had spoken to me that I would meet my husband that year. And uh, got off the plane, immediately knew that I was called to the Philippines. Didn't want to be a missionary. I'd already told the Lord I would be a missionary to my own country. Thank you very much. I have plans. You see, this is, this is my... I hope I'm not blinding anybody. This is how I really wanted to be. I was going to travel the world, marry an evangelist, and, you know, have diamonds and all the bouffant hairdo. I was with the assemblies, you know, work for them. They always had bouffant hairdos back in those days. And that was my plan. And I got off the plane, and I was certainly not going to meet a, marry a foreigner. And I went over there, and the second day I was there, I met Ver. And he, he had an eyeball for me, and I was like, well, this is a cute dude. But no, I am not marrying a foreigner. Well, I didn't marry a foreigner. I was the, I'm the foreigner. So he's not the foreigner. But we've been married since uh, we courted for seven years and uh, married finally in 1994. And so God called us to do something that was way beyond our abilities, and that was to plant a ministry, have a Bible school. Now, I have no background in the Bible schools. Um, none, never went to one. Ver was in a Bible school. I worked at the Bible school in Angeles City, in Papanga, which was north of where we're at now. And I learned a lot of things there. But God had given him a promise that within five years after we met, that he would have a Bible school. And the day before I left, he came to me and he said, I believe you're to be a part of that ministry. Uh, this was the five, five weeks that I was there. You were to be a part of that. And, oh my goodness, I didn't tell him that God had called me to the same thing. But in 1994, when we finally got married, when we got the call, we had no place. We had no money. We had no teachers. We had no students. I mean, first of all, you need a place to have a school. And in one day, God gave us a place. Mahai Hai Laguna, and anybody knows where Mahai Hai it is. It's in the end of the world. But... Ver, after he left the Bible school, went to Mahai Hai. It's spelled like Majajay. That's what people usually say. Ver went up there and began ministry in a little church back where the road ended. And he began to clear out the area a little bit. And the people that owned that property said they had been praying for 20 years for a Bible school to be built in that place. And when they knew that we were looking for a place to build it, they came to Ver and they said... If you will stay here, we will give you this land. And so, so began the journey. <laughs> we didn't have anything, no organizational backing. We're not part of any organization. We're independent. And, you know, it's like, wet, I call it wet water walking. You take a step out of the boat, you sink, but Jesus raise, reaches down and lifts you back up. You're going to be wet. You shake it off and you keep on walking and you sink again. And that's what we, I did. He was fine. He is a man of great faith. When God said it, that would be what he would say to me, isn't it? Didn't God say? And I would be, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> you know like, I would, I'd have to go outside and just look around and look that the birds of the air don't worry about anything. You know, they've got their food. They're not worrying. So why in the world am I worrying about what the provision or the things were to do? If God said it, it is fixed. It isn't. You know, something that is, well, maybe so, it is fixed. God called us to do this. It's fixed. Now the thing is to walk in that. And sometimes, I'm telling you, it has been a challenge. 
I mean, he really did choose the foolish of the world to confound the wise. He called us to do two, three things. He said, if you will pray, you will believe, and then you'll work. You know, faith without works is dead. You know, things weren't going to happen because this was a piece of land that had to be cleared out. And one of the things that had to be cleared out of were the squatters. And the squatters weren't real thrilled to have us come there. In fact, the squatters, uh, Narciso is the one that main one. He would come and he would throw rocks at our, where we were living. And we were at that time, the first few months, we were in a little room. And I'm a city girl. And my, my bathroom was out across a little bridge. And it had a horse trough where you got your water to take a bath. And I'm telling you, Godzilla lived in that, that bathroom. Godzilla was a spider that was as big as him. And I'd go in there and have to use the bathroom and take a bath there with the dipper. And I'm always on the look for Godzilla because he was huge. Well, the squatters, let me get a drink here. Narciso was always with us. He was throwing things and and threatening to kill Ver almost every night, it seemed like. And then he did the thing that really was difficult for me. He went and got the communist rebels that were just happened to be our neighbors at the back. He was squatting on our land. <laughs> the, the, the communist rebels called the NPA, the New, New People's Army, or the, we call them no, per, no Permanent Address. They were behind us, and he went to them and said, I want this land, and they came... Kalinda is her name, and she is as hard as nails. And she came with her hit guy to our house a couple of times to discuss the land. Well, the land had been given to us to use. The squatters were there. They felt like they had a right to the land, so they, they decided to get the communist rebels on us. And um, The thing is, if they, the rebels had decided in favor of the, the squatters, then we would get a black ribbon on our gate and we'd have to leave immediately. But they were in our favor. And there's a reason. You know, sometimes you don't know why things happen. But Ver had taken a class while he was in college with the, what's his name? Uh, he was the, uh, the head of the Communist Party and the rebels in his, in his class. That's, now, Ver says, I don't like... Americans, that does, that's past tense because not, that's past tense. It's not now. And there are no, you know, verb tenses are different in the Philippines. But he, he had taken this class and they had indoctrinated him. And he was able to sit there and talk with Linda Kalinda with the hitman right there. And I'm here going, <laughs> in tongues, I'm telling you. I was interceding like mad. And we have found favor with the communist rebels. And that was the last we had to deal with them. Now then, we were in this room for three, three months. My kitchen was outside over a stream and it was a little bit bigger than this. And I am more than once said, God, I just want to have, go to Papa Dell's pizza. <laughs> Let me just have a Papa Dell's pizza. You know, I am not a mud hut and hammock woman. I <laughs> but God began to break me. He didn't, you know, sometimes we have the ideas of what is best for us, but God has other ideas. And his idea was for me to be broken, seriously broken. Well, we eventually were able to move into the bamboo house. And we lived in a bamboo house for eight years. Now, I'm, well, you, if you can make it cute, that was the thing. The fact that you could see through the walls like this, so I could see whoever's walking across the property, but the thing is they could also see into our house and they could also see into our room because our bedroom was also bamboo. But it, it worked. You know what happened? The missionaries that would come, the groups that began to come over to visit us, they loved it because it's really the mission field. You're in a bamboo hut. Well, you don't have to deal with the rats, and you don't have to deal with the, the book book, which is a little bug that will chew everything, and, and the termites, the snakes, the rats, and the ceiling that leaked. But I began to call my ceiling because it was a corrugated metal roof that had beams. I called it my beam ceiling. And when it rained, you couldn't hear anything besides the rain. I mean, it was so loud. 
And that's how we begin. I learned not to despise small beginnings, and it was a small beginning. We had to clear out the land. Well, as we're clearing out the land, remember we had the squatters. Our seesaw and his decided that he didn't want to give, give up the land easily, but Ver let him stay on the land. And I want you to remember this, because when I get finished at the end of my message, I want you to remember what you hear here. You're here. Hear <laughs> what you hear. He was so gracious to them. He let them stay. And he let them to continue growing crops. And there was, this, there was a walkway like this from our house down to the road. Ver let them have their crops here, and we had crops on this side. And these people, he never stopped, you know, coming around, throwing rocks and all this. But as he continued to let them grow crops on that land, our crops were flourishing. We had so many crops that we were able to give them away to the neighbors. His crops on this side, the first ones, the fruit, I don't Santa, I remember what the fruit was, passion fruit or something, passion fruit. And it was so nasty, they couldn't sell it. So he cut down all of the fruit and he planted again. Ampelaya? Yeah. He planted Ampelaya. We continue to have so many crops here that... Um, we were, you know, continued giving to people. His ampelaya began to turn black and rot right on the vine. And God brought the, the reminder, I will bless those that bless you, and I will curse those that curses you. Narcissa quit planting crops, and we'd be able to continue to clear out the land with a vision we already had the classes began in uh, June 1995, five students. I called them the five smooth stones, remember, uh, <laughs> with Goliath, David and Goliath, the five smooth stones. As we began to clear out the land, little things, you know, getting everything clean and ready, and, and we had the teachers. We were blessed. People just came and wanted to, and uh, just wanted to teach. So we were able to offer all the courses of a, a seminary. And I got this from the Urbana Conferences. I went and looked at all the course catalogs there, and I decided these are the courses we should offer. All the basics of a seminary. We don't have any teachers. We don't have anything, but we've got a, we've got a plan here. And we teachers came to help teach these courses. And we've been doing this since the beginning. Since 1995, we are offering all the courses of a seminary. We have papers, I mean, little cards out there, and you can see those courses that we've been offering. And what has happened is that the people that are taking our classes have been able to go on, get all their course credits accepted by a four-year program, and many have gone on to get to their bachelor's degree, and a lot of them in education, which I'm very thankful for. We need to do more of that. We need to get more educators into the schools, especially here that are Christian. Well... I have my book here. I don't normally have this all laid out, but, but I decided as you get older, you forget. You know, you got to remember. And it's really big. Look, it's really big. There's not the whole thing. I have to have a big and in writing now because, you know, it's, you know, I'm 74. And I'm turning 75 this February. And my brain just isn't what it used to be. And neither is my body. But all right. But I'm still here, and I'm still in ministry, and I've never given up, and the, the Word of God continues. All right. Well, one of the things that happened was, because of all that happened with Narciso, um, Burr was so good to them. I was not. You know, they, people would walk across our property, and I'm standing there looking at them. And I, I, you know, that's in love, of course, you know. You know you're doing it love, you know. <laughs> well, what happened is the squatters moved. They moved, Narciso and his family moved just a little ways away, right next to us, actually, on a piece of government property, and they had no water. And Ver decided to put in water pipes over to their place. <laughs> huh? Yes. <laughs> he put water pipes over to their house. And all of a sudden, our water tanks started going dry. 
And here's this woman who didn't like these people, was mad at them. I'm not, I'm not Elizabeth Elliot. You know, I can't do this. You know, wait seven years to get married and then have him die one year. And this guy's been threatening my husband. I said, you know, I've got no forgiveness for these people. You know, well, the water stopped. And we were having to collect water in water tanks and, uh, from rainwater. And a lot of things like this, we were just going, and one day... Lourdes, the wife of uh, Narciso, was walking across our property, going down to the stream with three little kids tagging along with her. She had her dishes in a pan on top of her head. And she's going down to the stream to do her dishes in, a, in water. That is from, I mean, it's a stream doing her water, I mean, her dishes in that. And God gave me such compassion and conviction for my attitude against these people. Because I had waited. The kids were suffering. Everybody was suffering. We were, having, we were getting our water in town at, a, at the stream also, a river there, in a place where we could get drinking water. And I said, God, forgive me. Forgive me for this. I've hated these people. I'm angry at these people. And that moment, I mean, I just, the release. Not only do, when we forgive people, it doesn't, it releases them, it releases us. There is freedom and forgiveness. And I, if anybody's got unforgiveness in their life right now, I beg of you to give, you know, to let that go. The blessing of God is hindered because of our unforgiveness. And I'll tell you what, as soon as, as soon as I forgave them, our guys had gone up to the mountain to find what was going wrong with our water, and they found it. They hadn't found it before, but they found it. And the water started again. The blessing of God comes through forgiveness. Yes. All right. I'm still here. All right. Classes began. In 1995, we began with classes. Again, I tell you that we had the calling, but we didn't have the skills, and God didn't ask us to have the skills. He asked us to believe. And he didn't ask us, oops, I've got to have a tissue. When I cry, I have the gift of watering. I do a lot of watering. Um, but God asked us to be obedient to this call that he had given us. And I want to tell you what, what we've been able to do. We had to clear out the land. The first thing that got built was the church. And Harley Daniels, some of you may remember Harley Daniels, who came. God spoke to him one time when I was on the radio station. Uh, they were asking me, Linda, what do you need over there in the Philippines? And I said, we need workers. Harley was listening on the radio and he, to the radio, and he heard me say, I need construction workers. And he said before that, and he has the biggest hands. If you ever met Harley, his hands were massive. And... He had been praying, God, I've got these hands. Let me use them for your glory. And he heard me on the radio. That day, I just happened to be in the States. And he, he didn't even know where the Philippines was. He just knew that God had spoken to him that moment that he was going to go to the Philippines. And so he called the radio station, found out where I was at, gave me a call, and he, he went back with us when we came, went back to the Philippines. And he spent the next 16 years Every year, coming for two months doing construction, he did so much building churches, helping ministries, built a lot of what we have there on this compound. We miss him. We're looking for another Harley. If anybody feels the call today, oh Lord, please speak to somebody that's good in construction that would be willing to come over and help. There's always something to do. This is what we've been able to do there. We built the church. We built offices, dormitories. We could build a cover. We built a, a basketball court with a cover. Two-story administration building, two-story dining hall. Now, this is my husband's things. We've got a farm, too. We have pigs and chickens. He raises pigs. We've got over 30 pigs. And you know what pigs do. They do a lot of it. And <laughs> But that's good. That's like gold. And all that... Well, I'm just going to say, all the poop goes into is flushed down into a tank. We hardly helped build this 
biogas tank, which is about 12 feet deep, about 20 feet long and whatever, 10 feet wide. And we flush all the uh, pig poops and uh, down that tank, into that tank. That tank begins, it's got a floating lid on it and it raises up whenever, and it's got a moat around it. So uh, there's no explosion and it, you can tell when there's a lot of gas in there because it's floating up. That gas goes from the tank to the student and staff kitchen, and we're cooking with pig poops. <laughs> and it works. And I had somebody, I gotta say, you're cooking with pig poops? I said, what do you think natural gas is? I mean, it's, you know, it comes from something. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Burr, he's a landscaper. He has taken this place and made it look like a park. And you'll see some of the pictures. I mean, it's beautiful. Um, He's got his fish ponds. We've got seven fish ponds. We grow crops. The fish, we've got koi. We've got tilapia. And, oh, there we got our koi. I didn't know what we got up here. Uh, tilapia, we eat, we eat some of the fish. We don't eat the koi. Uh, he just loves the koi. I keep asking, what are we going to do with these koi? We've got some huge koi. And they're pretty. And the, the little kids from the orphanage love it. Every morning, they line up the ones that can walk, and even the ones in strollers. And they put their hand on each other's shoulder, and they walk from the home, uh, which is at the back of the property, and they walk over to the fish ponds to feed the fish every day. As long as there's no rain, they are out there in their little parade, and it's so much fun to see them. Because uh, they're little. Our first floor, we built a big building, which I don't know if there's a picture of that. The, uh, the administration building has got, oh, I can see up there. There they are. Um, it's a two-story building. The first floor is uh, guest rooms. We have lots of guest rooms. Come on over. Um, yeah, that's the new dining hall right there. There's a, there are a lot of uh, uh, guest rooms, and it's a classroom. There's a kitchen. There are four bathrooms. Um, I mean, it's rugged. It's clean. That's the thing. You can see that's the front of our, our place. It is very clean. It may not be fancy, but it's clean. That is the thing. I am all, I'm all for cleanliness to the best of our ability. Uh, we got a storage room in there. We do uh, Zoom classes right now because of COVID. The only thing I'm good about, this, uh, I call this my COVID-19 right here. It's, you know... How did that happen? You know, you're in the house and you walk, but you go in the kitchen, you just walk by the ref and it goes, hello, the ref. That's what we call it over the refrigerator. And it's, yeah, there's the building. We live on the second floor and uh, this is the, the basketball court, obviously. And uh, anyway, uh, that's the classrooms down there on the first floor. And it's really nice. Uh, unfortunately, I forgot. That's the kids' home right there. Uh, and... Uh, we're just blessed. Well, anyway, we'll get to that. So we've got how many classrooms? We've got one, two, three, three classrooms. We have got, I think there are pictures of the library in there, too. This had been my, my joy. The real thing that I wanted to do was to get a good library. And we have over 9,000 books in the library. And, yeah, there we go. That's some, uh, but then COVID hit, and we have no students on campus we're just now, we started classes again a few weeks ago, and we have four live-in instead of what we did before. And I think there are 10 online. We've been doing online Zoom classes for the last couple of years, and I really, really miss the program because it was a boot camp. And when we've had some educators come, and they loved our system because it was... You get the practical application as well as the foundations. And we did all kinds of outreach. We were really blessed to be able to go into a school and be able to minister every Friday. And actually, we're starting again, I think. Yeah, it will be starting again. Every Friday, we got over 800 young people that we were able to minister to every Friday. The... Our students got the, all the education during the week, and then on the weekend, I mean, on Friday, they got to go out and give it out. That's what we're supposed to do. We get it in, and we give it out. We did this for until COVID hit, 
And I think they're just now going back face-to-face -face classes, right? Yeah. Um, so along with that, we, we had, we don't now because of what's happening over in the middle, I mean, over in the east. Uh, we had classes in Hong Kong and Shenzhen in China. We did that for years. We have a lot of graduates from over there. Hong Kong is mostly domestic helpers. Uh, Shenzhen was professionals. Our teacher that was with us for 17 years, he went over and took over. He's still over there, but we could no longer have classes. We had to shut down because they wouldn't renew the, um, our license for that over there. People don't really realize all that's happening. Um, it's bad over there. It's really bad. The, the Hong Kong people had carried the, the American flag and sang our national anthem begging for freedom from China because China has clamped down. There were thousands and thousands of people that went out into the street singing our national anthem, and then they were singing Christian songs. I don't know if you saw, it was in the news, but not, you wouldn't get it on most news sources. Yeah. So, but, uh, but people in Shenzhen are still meeting. In Hong Kong, they've started a, a church that they, it's easier to do a church in Hong Kong, but in Shenzhen, you cannot have a church. Uh, and what happened is that they have started doing this. They go uh, every Sunday, they meet for a meal in a restaurant, and they have a church service. But if anybody comes into the room, then it becomes a meal, a birthday party. But it's actually a church service. Every Sunday, they're doing this. Now, if they get caught doing this, they're going to get deported, and that's they're working over there for major companies. They're making a lot of money. So, it, you know, we have it so good here. We are so blessed. It's so easy for us here in so many ways, but it's been getting rougher, right? Yeah, let me get a drink here. All right. Now, Burr has planted, he loves church planting. Burr has planted 11 churches, and we have two church plantings right in construction projects. Once again, do I hear there's a Harley here? We could use some people to come over and help with the construction on these churches. They're both in uh, what do we call it? squatter areas. And one is really, I don't know if we have any pictures of that. I have them. They'll be out there if you want to see them. Uh, really poor. But people will come out and they would sit on benches. We got to go minister there uh, a few times in this one place in particular. And people come out and they sit on a bench just under a tree or under a tarpaulin or under, you know, corrugated metal piece of, you know, whatever that would be there. And you just sit there. The kids come out, lots and lots of kids. The elderly especially. One of the things, if you want to help, we need reading glasses. I'm telling you what, if I, we have a seniors program or we like the seniors at the, this place, they were scrambling for the reading glasses because they can't afford to go to an eye doctor and they want to see to be able to read, yeah? So if you've got extra reading glasses that you're not using, we can use them. Um, these pastors that Verus got into the positions, it's called, the ministry is called Asia Center for Biblical Missions. Uh, they're in different parts, pretty close. Most of them are pretty close to our place. We've got one on a different island. Uh, it's a tribal group. We've had students that have been from the tribal groups, Hmong Young, down on another island that have graduated. They are teaching, gone back, and they're working in their, uh, in their home places, and they're teaching and training others, the kids down there. I mean, Hmong Youngs were nomadic. Um, and you want to see, really, <laughs> I mean, we're talking nomadic. We're, a lot of the kids didn't have clothes, and they just moved place to place. And, but I'm going to tell you, these pastors that we have work for almost nothing. They, I'm amazed at what they can do with what little that they have and then whatever. Uh, in their ability to come up with ideas. <laughs> That's it. I just couldn't get it out. All right. Now, the next. So we've got the, the school and the churches. The next thing has been my heart. Uh, the kids' home. Yeah. Um, God called us to have a children's home. We didn't have anything. We had the place. We didn't have anything. We didn't have any money. We just didn't, you know, call God once again to do this. And one time I was, 
while we were doing, getting ready for this, I, was, I was, went to a conference. And someone there asked me, uh, what, do you, what do you need? And I said, we need money. You know, we're just, and this guy, I thought, he looks familiar, really big guy. And the next morning, the head of the conference came to me and he said, somebody's given you $25,000 for your kids' home. And I was like, that doesn't happen to us. I mean, that, that's other people. That, but we got $25,000. Turns out this guy is on, I knew I knew his face. He's on Fox News uh, on one of the, what do you call it, financial programs. The guy is huge. And so we were given $25,000, and the farmers here in Champaign-Urbana area said, hey, we want to give, and they gave us $10,000, and we were able to build the children's home, Stillwater's children's home. Stillwater's, the reason we named it Stillwater's, because he leads me besides Stillwater's. He restores my soul. And the kids that we get are abandoned, neglected, mostly abused, and we haven't gotten any orphans yet. Uh, but they've been taken away from their families or they've been abandoned somewhere. We had one baby that was just left in a, in a bathroom somewhere. And we've, most of our kids, we've had a lot come through. They're usually there for eight months or more. Uh, we're a temporary care facility, but uh, we've had kids up for up to six years that were placed back with their family. That was a heartbreaking one. Uh, we like to get them adopted out as much as we can. We've got two that went to the Netherlands, one that went to Italy, and the others have been adopted in the, the Philippines. So this has been a labor of love to get these kids. One of the kids that we got, I can't even describe. There are pictures. I can't believe what these people did. They refused to feed her. She wasn't theirs. Her mom had just left her somewhere. And she was so emaciated, malnourished. I mean, I've never seen a child that bad. The government rescued her, and they took her, and we got her when she was three years old. That was right after the, uh, they rescued her. And when we got her, I, I looked, was looking at her, and she was already chubby. But the chubby wasn't what I thought it was. I thought she had a huge belly with worms and whatever. I've seen kids with that a lot, but it wasn't. She, oh, that's her. You can see, did you, the other picture, was it there too? I just, every time I look at that, I can't even, that's what she looked like when she was rescued. And then if you go to the next, the, let's go on to the next one of her with a chubby. You see how her heart was failing. She had dilated cardiomyopathy and an enlarged liver. We found this out and they gave her no hope. They said she will die probably by age five. And so she was hospitalized. They got, that's, just fluid. They gave her the Lasix or whatever they gave her. Do we have the next picture of her? This is what happened. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Angel. That's her name. That's really her name. Princess Angel. Um, she was in the hospital and I ended up coming back to the States. That was a couple of years ago, before COVID, right before COVID, I was in the States. And they told me that there, there was no hope, that the doctors are just said she couldn't run. They had to put her in a um, thing for kids, you know, what do you call them? Uh, stroller, thank you. And she was not to move, that she was going to die. Well, I was, I said, I'm going to see what I can do. I ended up going to Carl to the pediatric department. And there happened to be a pediatric cardiologist there, Dr. Chan. Anybody needs one, he's the man to go to. What he did, he, he spent time with me. I left a message. He called me. Can you believe it? A doctor actually calls. And he called me, and he talked to me for a long time about her. And he just said, she needs a heart transplant. This or this and this. There is no hope. She will, once she has a heart transplant, she's going to need another in years. And the best thing to do is just keep her as comfortable as possible. I cried when I got finished. That was on a Friday. On Monday, this doctor called me back, <laughs> and he said, my friend and I, this other friend doctor, we, uh, we did some research, and there is a little thing, anybody ever hear of L-carnitine? L-carnitine, 
you know, athletes use it, people with uh, other problems use it. He had gotten online, and I looked it up at Mayo Clinic site, and L-carnitine use in the treatment of uh, dilated cardiomyopathy. And it says if a child is, has been malnourished, you know, at birth and, or is right after birth, their heart doesn't develop properly. And this particular, whatever you're going to call it, chemical for the body, if it is given, it may and it can possibly, it can help and it can possibly heal the heart. We got her started. She's on all other medicines, but we got her started on L-carnitine. We got it from the States, and then we got it from over, over there. We got a prescription. And that is the transformation. I am so thankful for this doctor. I mean, a doctor calling me back and saying, you know, he wanted to help her. And that's a little angel. She didn't talk. She didn't do much of anything. But now she's up for adoption. Um, and I'm so thankful for that. I am so thankful. Now I'll tell you, I'm getting close to closing. I don't know what time we quit, but we're going to, I'm going to take my liberty a little bit. We're okay. We're okay. All right. When I first went down there, where we're at, in preparation for doing all this, I'm, I'm a city girl. Just a second. I can't do this, Lord. That's what I said. I can't do this. We're, we're in this place. I, I can't do this. Filipinos are different. They can, you know, they're used to what this situation we're in. I can't do it. I can't do public transportation, ride the tricycles, the, the jeepneys. I can't carry buckets of water and all that. I can't do this, Lord. I can't do this. Well, one day we were invited by friends to go. Well, we ended up doing a hike instead of a boat trip. And we were going up. And they said, come on, Ate. We can go up. I'm in the little, little what do you Thong shoes, you can't call them thongs anymore. You know, flip-flops, there you go. I was in flip-flops, I was ready to go to the beach. I wasn't ready to go mountain climbing. And we went, and they said, come on, let's go up to the top of this little, I call it a mountain, uh, it's just a really, really, really high hill. We're going up a stream, a little stream, on a path that the horses go on. Now you know what horses do along a pathway. And we are going up, and everybody there is jumping from rock to rock. Not me. I am getting in, you know, because I'm, I'm afraid to slip off. We're going up a hill that's really steep. Ver's doing it. He's really being really encouraging to me at this time. He is saying, you know, you can't do this, or whatever. Come on, you know, whatever it was you were saying. I just about hit him. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like, that's not the way to encourage. <laughs> but he's a good man. He just thought that would help to encourage me, encourage me to get up there. Well, I got going up. I got stuck in the the muck and whatever else that you know is along. And you know what happens when you got those flip flop on and you are stuck in mud and you try to flip your get your foot out. That stuff just flips right up the back of you. I mean. I had this going up the back of me, and we're going up to the top of this hill, and I'm thinking, we got to come back down this thing. We got up there. I finally had to take my, the slippers off and go barefooted the rest of the way because I was sliding, and the slippers were coming off anyway. So I took my slippers off, and we went on up to the top. By the time we got to the top, I didn't want to even talk to him ever again in my life. I was crying, and I am with pastors, and I'm supposed to be this missionary. This, You know, we walk on water. We float. We're so spiritual. No, the last thing I was was spiritual. And I was, I'm thinking, I just can't do this, Lord. I cannot do this. Well, we got to the top and there was a little bamboo hut up, hut up there. And this, one of the pastora, pastora is a female pastor. She went inside and she brought out these rubber boots. And she said, here, Ate. Ate is the expression for an older respected woman. I don't know how she had any respect for me at that point. <laughs> I looked at them and I thought, grace and mercy. And that's what I named them. And the thing that I learned, that I can do all things through Christ. God's grace and mercy are there for me in my time of need, Hebrews 4, 
16, I believe it is, that all of us can do these things that seem beyond our abilities. And what Vern and I have done are beyond our abilities, but they're not beyond God's ability. He called two foolish people to do something so extraordinary that it can't even be explained except for God, but God. And I really feel like today, somebody here, maybe more than one, God's calling you to do something you think you can't do. But I want to tell you, when God calls us, he equips us for us. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. Sometimes you feel like, God, did you leave and not leave a forwarding address? I keep calling out to you. Where are you, Lord? Where did you move to? But God is faithful. He's there. He just is testing us to see if we will continue to seek him and trust him. Will we trust you, Lord? If he equips, if he calls you, he's going to equip you. He equips the saints. And you know what? He's called every one of us. He gave us apostle, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. And the work of the ministry is the, the reconciling people to Christ. And he's calling all of us out to get out of our comfort zone and get dirty a little bit. You know, it wasn't fun having that poop up the back of my legs, but it washed off. I'm okay. And I may get dirty again. <laughs> I do get dirty but God is there to wash us off and pick us up and do, you know, with the wet water walking, we get, you know, he's there. And if God is calling you, and I do believe he's calling people here today. And I want you to think about it. If he took me, a little lady from Urbana, Illinois, or Bill Snyder, if you know Bill Snyder, he started a three million watt radio station over in Asia. He's from Danville. He's just a little guy, started WBGL. He did something so extraordinary that is reaching one-fourth of the world's population. And all he is asking, are you obedient? You know, when Moses went to the top of that mountain, I mean, went to the burning bush, God asked him one question. What is that in your hand? He had a rod. It was an ordinary thing. An ordinary thing that God did something extraordinary with. And it became extraordinary because God. Because of God. And I don't want you to be afraid. Don't be afraid to do something that is so out of your ordinary comfort zone. If God is calling you and he is calling all of us. And even if it's to witness to the person that lives next to you. Don't be afraid. God will equip you. He will, he will get you right where you need to go. The eyes of the Lord are roam to and fro across the earth, looking for those whose hearts are turned completely towards them in order that he might show himself strong in their behalf. I want us to really pray today. You know, I don't know what God's asking you to do, but I do believe he's asking some people, if not all of you, to do something. To go. I remember when I got born again, I put up on the back of my bedroom door. I found Isaiah 6, 8. <laughs> and it says, you know what Isaiah 6, 8 says? Here I am, send me. I thought I was going to go, you know, do all these things. And it turns out I got to the end of the world. But I am so thankful. Lives have been changed, not because of me, but because God. He called me to be obedient and to do what he wanted me to do. But it was because of God. God gets the glory. Now, remember I told you about Narciso? I want to tell you the story of this. Then I want us really for you to have a moment here to come, maybe come forward. And just say, God, here I am, send me. Remember, I said, don't forget what Ver with Narciso. Narciso, the guy that threw the, the rocks and threatened to kill Ver every day because of the graciousness of God, the mercy. Narciso is now a deacon of a church right across the street from us. His son went to our Bible school and became the pastor at the church where we're at. His other son worked with us. 
and his daughter is one of the leaders in our church. <laughs> a changed life. Nothing <laughs> is impossible with God if he can do this. Mer lived a life worthy of the calling of God. I wish I had been better. But I went there with my filters and all the things, and God broke me in a lot of ways. But, you know, that's an ongoing process. But I really want those of you, I cannot tell you how happy I am. I would have never thought I could be happy like this. I mean, there are hard times. There are a lot of hard times. Sometimes I'm like... But God is understanding. Pastor, I, want, I really want us to have a time. If you, if you really feel God's calling you to do something, so, and you, you know it's so beyond your abilities, oh, the excitement, the adventure is about to begin. I don't know where you're at, but I do know if you, if you see the pictures, you've seen some of the pictures, that was impossible. But nothing is impossible with God. Lord, we thank you. I thank you for this congregation. I thank you for those that today, Lord, will make that commitment to, to follow you. That won't be afraid. Well, they'll be afraid. But it's okay. We walk by faith and not by sight. And you're a gracious, gracious God, full of mercy and compassion. Lord, we love you. And I am so thankful. I am so thankful for this, Lord, for this congregation, for the lives that are going to be changed as a result of the ministries that are going to rise up, the new ministries that people have been sitting on and wondering and saying, is this real, Lord? Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Father. Oh, you are holy and gracious, God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming in this place and speaking to, to people now. Help us to live lives worthy of the calling that you've given us, Lord. Jesus. Thank you, Father. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you enjoyed today's message, consider sharing it with a friend. For more content and information about Living Word, check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. And remember to live the gospel and preach the gospel.